In the Philippines, I've seen kids scavenging through rubbish. In that town, Bayatas. And you see those needs and you think, man, it's so easy to grow weary. The needs are enormous. That's a photo I took in Payatas, so that's Pastor Alinda. But I've seen worse than that. I've seen kids in Indonesia living on rubbish dumps, not far from where you sponsor children. They paid money, they paid rent to live on rubbish dumps in homes made of rubbish. And I feel weary and I think to myself, what can I do? I'm just one person living in Sydney. What can I do to help those kids? Well, I can release one child from poverty in Jesus' name. God's not telling us to change the world. That's his job. But God is calling on us to be good stewards of the riches that he has blessed us with. And in fact, we are the richest people in the richest city in the richest time in human history. I know I'm one of the richest people in human history. I don't own a house, but I live in a great five-bedroom house. We have been tremendously blessed. The idea of rescuing one child, that shouldn't be an alien concept for you. You already know that. You already sponsor 57 children. Many of you sponsor children. But it also shouldn't be an alien concept for you because if you're trusting in Jesus, that's your story. Jesus leaves the 99 to go and find the one sheep that was lost. And if you trust in Jesus, you are that one. The Bible tells us that we too have been rescued if we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been delivered from death and from sin and from the devil. We see this in Galatians chapter 1. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Jesus gave himself for our sins. We have been cleaned by the blood of Jesus that was spilt for us. We've been delivered. By nature, we are objects of wrath, but we have been delivered from that. And we have been rescued from some, a horrendous evil, an evil that's present in our society today. It was present then, and it's present, it's rampant in our society today. And that evil is unbelief. From Adam and Eve to now, all evil flows from unbelief, for not trusting what God tells us is true. But if you're trusting in Jesus, you have been delivered from the evil of unbelief. And you haven't been delivered to sit in the corner and wait for the return of Jesus. It was great to hear Archie praying for the return of Jesus, and we should be praying for the return of Jesus to stamp out all evil. We have been delivered to bring restoration to our broken world, to love each other and to love our communities and to share the love of Jesus. We're described in 1 Corinthians 3 as God's co-workers. Wow, that's quite a privilege, isn't it? If we go to Ephesians chapter 2, we can see it is by grace we've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship. Wow, you are God's workmanship. What a beautiful description of a Christian, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I'm going to be pretty narrow today. I'm just going to look at four Greek letters. It's, it sounds kind of boring, but I don't think it'll be boring. I think we're going to, going to go on a journey through Southeast Asia. We're going to consider what these good works that we hear about in Ephesians and also in Galatians, what they might be. Well, as a clue, let us see what the apostles did. In Galatians chapter 2, we see two groups of apostles, the early apostles. One group took the gospel message to Jewish people and one group took the gospel message to all the other people, Gentiles, people like me. 
There is only one gospel message for the whole world. You can only be saved through faith in Jesus. So they took this all over the world. It's gone to the ends of the earth, this message, through the church. But did you see they've also got another thing in common, apart from that one gospel message? They remembered the poor. Paul says, I was eager to remember the poor, Galatians chapter 2, verse 10. It's a strange phrase, remembering the poor, isn't it? Because it's easy to forget the poor, to not remember that they exist. Or it's easy to be slow to remember the poor. But the church has been remembering the poor for 2,000 years. The ancient Romans thought it was ridiculous that the church was caring for poor and oppressed people and widows and orphans. But that's the heart of God, isn't it? To care for those who are hurting and who are oppressed. Compassion's ministry has enabled my own family to remember the poor, and not just in some big, broad way, to remember actual children, vulnerable children. This is one of those children, Panyacorn. That's my daughter, Julia, back in 2017. That was on a trip with Fig Tree Anglican Church. His mum had died two years earlier. And so the church, funded by Compassion's ministry, went into the community and found all the vulnerable kids that they could find. And they were invited into the sponsorship program. And my son, Nathaniel, who will hopefully be here soon with my wonderful wife, Cassandra, they're still at St. Matt's Botany, he sponsored Panyacorn. He's been writing letters of Christian encouragement to him, sharing his life with him, sending photos and praying for him regularly. But we went back in 2018. As you can see, he's grown. Behaviorally, he has changed. He had a lot of behavioral issues when he began the sponsorship program. Doing well at school, dreams of being a teacher when he's older. Was malnourished, doesn't look malnourished there, he was doing well. And a wonderful thing, this is uh, 2018 on a trip with uh, Ashfield Presbyterian Church. His dad came to church. I said to him, oh, your son's been cared for by this church and I'm speaking at that church tomorrow, I so say, would you like to come and hear what, he's like, no, I'm Buddhist, I'm not going to go to a church. Okay. But I prayed about it, and the next day he walked in. It was really moving seeing him come in and the way he was embraced by that church community. We also saw how our money was used. So if you may not know this, and we don't tell this story very well at Compassion, in addition to sponsorship, which is $48 a month, you can send a family gift or a child gift. So we had sent $100. And if you send a family gift or a child gift, 100% of the value of that will go to the child. Nothing's withheld. So Panyacorn's dad who had been working on construction sites, started a hairdressing business. He built that extension and started a hairdressing business and he was surviving, cutting the hair of people in the village so that he could be at home more often with his son to, be, to care for his son. Uh, this is my daughter Penelope with her sponsored child Abraham in Indonesia. She sent $100 and uh, we were, felt really humbled when he wrote a letter and he said, I bought a pair of sandals. In the next slide, you'll see his letter. Thank you for the gift. That's the amount of rupiah. I bought sandals and a bed. All this time I've been sleeping on the floor. $100, it buys about 10 bubble teas in Sydney, but it can help a child sleep on a bed in Indonesia. We went back in January 2020. I gotta say it was 17 of the best days of my family's life. The six of us went, my four kids and wife, we visited five of the children that we sponsor. We went with two different church groups, went from Thailand, then we went off to Indonesia. Penyacorn has grown. He wrote in a letter, when you come, bring me a stuffed kangaroo. So he got a stuffed kangaroo and a whole lot of other stuff. 
But the best thing, I re- best news was, his dad had become a Christian. This is Pastor Sombat in the next slide. He said, oh, after he visited the church that time, I went to his house again and again. I kept pro- sharing those promises of the Lord Jesus. And he's accepted Jesus. He is now reading the Bible to his son every night. Now, I'm not sure where Panyacorn's at. I'm not sure if he's a Christian yet. But we praise God that we simply remembered the poor, anonymous everyday Christians like us. We were just faithful in a small way. And God had multiplied that generosity with eternal consequences for Panyacorn's dad. Pastor Sombat said that half of the people in his church, half of the Christians in his church, became Christians through Compassion's Child Sponsorship Program, where children heard the good news, and then parents heard the good news, and grandparents heard the good news. And so he rejoices in that harvest, and uh, he rejoices in a very personal way, because Pastor Sombat, too, was a sponsor child. He grew up poor, he grew up blessed, and he wanted to be a blessing to his community. That's been Compassion's story for 71 years, giving back. You can read about it if you Google Compassion and Christianity Today and you'll see a synopsis, really, of some big econometric research. There was an independent study. Uh, but in short, you're far more likely to be a community leader or fa- and far more likely to be a church leader if you're a Compassion sponsor child. You grow up to be a blessing to your community. Now, if you want to drill down and look at the numbers, you can see in the Journal of Political Economy, in the next slide, uh, if you Google Journal of Political Economy and Compassion, and this is amazing because before I went to Moore College, I studied economics at Sydney Uni. Journal of Political Economy did not like Christians and didn't present research from Christians. But this was simply outcomes. This was simply educational outcomes, vocational outcomes. And they said we find large statistically significant impacts in the years of schooling, primary, secondary and tertiary, probability and quality of employment. And it says due in part to increases in children's aspirations. Did you hear CJ talk about hope that was sparked? Hope that, hope, children often feel hopeless. You grow up in a rubbish dump, you just feel like an extension of the rubbish. They're the testimonies I've heard. But then you hear, as CJ shared, I'm not a piece of the rubbish in this area. I'm actually created in the image of God. Jesus loves me. Hope changes lives, and not just for the future, for our eternity, but also in this life too. Hope changes lives. Hope gives, gives kids determination and drive, and they know there can be a better way to live rather than scavenging through a rubbish dump. This is uh, a message from Kara. She's now 23 years old, just graduated from a teaching degree with high honours, thanks to compassion. Many of the poorest kids in communities do the best at school, because they're supported by Compassion's after-school tutoring program. Kids are getting out of generational poverty. I don't think God wants kids scavenging through rubbish dumps and not going to school. So the study that I mentioned before looks at vocational outcomes, educational outcomes, but there's one aspect of the program that wasn't in the study, the amount of people coming to Christ. Before we got kicked out of India in 2015, we would talk about how many people had come to Christ. We don't do that anymore. But we are hearing reports from the field during COVID that there has been exponential growth in Christianity in the countries where we work, not just because of compassion, but because of what God has been doing over the past few years, because churches have been salt and light in the poorest communities, and they have seen the beauty of Christ through the beauty of his people. 
There is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So these outcomes, they weren't in the study, but they are the best outcomes where people enter the kingdom of God. And it happens, can happen through people like us, everyday Christians like us, simply remembering the poor. God multiplies our generosity. So now let's go from Galatians chapter 1 and Galatians chapter 2 to Galatians chapter 6. And I'm going to reread part of Galatians chapter 6. And there's some Greek words. Why have I got Greek words? Well, I'm Greek. Uh, when I met Rodney Cocking, I'll give you some dirt on Rodney Cocking. He was one of the nicest kids at school, not only in infants, but also in high school. And now he's one of the most lovely senior citizens I know. <laughs> and God has been faithful to Rod. But you probably don't remember, I didn't speak English when I started school. My parents' friendship group was all Greeks. So I still think in Greek. And in fact, as I get older, I'm actually forgetting the English words. My wife told me that's a really bad sign, but I'm forgetting the English words and I'm remembering just the Greek words. And Greek is a beautiful, descriptive language. And the New Testament is written in Greek. And so I noticed some things in the Greek I thought I'd share today. You don't have to know Greek to know the Bible. The promises of God, well, they're in languages all over the world. Different tribes can read about the promises of Jesus. They don't need to know New Testament Greek. But if we have the ability to have a look at the Greek it can be very helpful. So hopefully it'll be helpful here today. So I'll reread Galatians 6, 9 and 10. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Hmm. Okay, so if we go to the next slide, you'll see the word good used twice, but a different Greek word. So that word kalon in verse 9, that, you know, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, that's the big picture view of God's goodness. I am the good shepherd. So that's the word kalon. But then we've got the word agathon, let us do good to everyone. So I want to think a little bit more about what that word is. Let's go to Mark chapter 10. We see that Jesus says to the guy who runs up to him and falls at his feet, and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good, agathos, see that same root word? Except God alone. No one is good except God alone. Let us do good, agathon, same root word. Now, this is very provocative. Of course, Jesus is being provocative. No one is good except God alone. So we're, the reader is thinking about the identity of Jesus, and so is the hearer here. But also, how are we going to do good if only God is good? How can we do that same thing? We'll think about that in a minute, but I'll tell you what I think it means. Here's a photo of me and my mum outside uh, Burke Street Congregational Church, Surrey Hills, back in the, back in the 60s. And, you know, my mum's my favourite theologian. She taught me a lot about Jesus, and I was a slow learner. It took me until 27 to become a Christian. But I do remember a little prayer that she taught me as a little boy, and I would pray it into my teens, possibly into my 20s, I can't remember, but she would tell me to pray to the agathos God of the universe, the generous and good God of the universe, thanking him for his agatha, the things that he generously provides me with. So it's a type of good, and embedded within this goodness is God's divine generosity. And God is incredibly generous. He has given me 59 years of life. I didn't do anything to deserve that. He has just created me. When I was a child... Rodney probably doesn't know this about me as well. When I was about seven or eight, 
I had a fear of non-being. So I would lie in bed at night and I would think to myself, right, so if I die, I don't exist. Therefore, there's no consciousness. Therefore, I'm nothing. And I would just break into a cold sweat. Now, of course, I have my identity in Christ today. I know that through Jesus, I've actually been created for immortality because of God's generosity. I'll be in God's presence for eternity, praising him because God is so generous. But if we stop to think about our own lives, God, God made you. You exist. You have being. That's an incredible thing that we can sometimes take for granted because we get weary of life sometimes, but we exist. We have sunshine. We have rain. We have food. We have church. We have friends. We have family. God is incredibly, incredibly generous. So if only God is good and ultimately he is the provider, how is it that we can do good reflecting the character of God because we are sinners saved by grace? How can we do that activity? Well, it's because we're connected to God. The Bible tells us over 70 times in the New Testament that we are in Christ. We have union with Christ. We are connected to Jesus. Our destiny is bound up with him. On the day of judgment, when God does come to wipe out all evil, we will shelter in him because he stands for us. We are in Christ. We are able to live out compassionate lives because Jesus teaches us, because he's the ultimate compassionate one. The New Testament writers tell us again and again that he had compassion on people and cared for their needs. Also, we're connected to God through the Holy Spirit. He indwells us. He personally indwells us. For all who trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit personally indwells us. He is the one that keeps us trusting in God until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, sorry, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So goodness there, agathosini, that word, can you see that same root? Let us do good, agathon, and then goodness, agathosini. It's the same root. And the NRSV has generosity, and a couple of other translations have generosity. Now, I'm not here to undermine your confidence in the ESV. We've got so many different great English translations. But I think that does capture God's goodness through that word a little bit more accurately. So we can live out a life of generosity. We can participate in God's divine generosity because we are connected to the triune God of the universe. That is an awesome privilege. And so with this awesome privilege, how do we direct this divine generosity? By doing good to all people. This is Pastor Sombat again. He does good to all the kids in his community, the Buddhist kids, the Christian kids, the kids whose parents are into witchcraft, the kids whose parents sell illegal drugs to make a living. He does good to all people. And you could be generous too. If you don't sponsor a child, perhaps that's something you might want to think about today. You can do good to Indonesian children. So the partnership started by sponsoring kids in churches on the island of Nias 10 years ago. That's a great place. It's a safe place. There are very few opportunities for children there. Compassion plays a huge role in raising up kids and also proclaiming the good news about Jesus. There are strong and growing churches there. 
So now we're switching our focus to Bandung. So St. Matt's Botany will keep sponsoring kids in that area, and some of you sponsor kids in that area, but you have other mission interests on the island of Java. So I've got profiles of kids today that have been cared for by churches in a much tougher part of Indonesia, a much riskier part of Indonesia, a place where compassion is being targeted by extremists. So it is a cutting edge ministry, it is a messy ministry, and perhaps it's a ministry that you can embark on today by sponsoring a child. And hopefully my wife, who's being really well looked after by St. Matt's, will get here soon and explain how to do that, along with my young son, Nathaniel and CJ. We can talk to you about that later. So you can do good to all people, Christian kids, Muslim kids, Buddhist kids. But wait, did I get something wrong? Am I wrong? Because it says, especially to those who are, the, to, are of the household of faith. <clears throat> I still remember my dad when he was alive, and he would say the word malista, the word translated as especially in English. It's just an emphatic yes. It's an emphatic yes. I don't think God is saying here, do lots of good to Christians, and if you've got a bit of time, energy, and generosity left over, do a little bit of good to non-Christians too. Because sometimes people have taken it that way. I think what God is saying here, believers, followers of Jesus, you know it's part of your DNA as Christians. You know from what I've said in the New Testament, you know to look out for each other. So do good to all people, and certainly it's part of your DNA to look out for each other as well. It hasn't been the church's story for 2,000 years that they've done lots of good for Christians and a little bit of good for non-Christians. They have done good to everyone, and so have you, and I want to thank you for that today. And I love the way the ESV has the word household, because that's a literal translation. And it's a beautiful image, isn't it? Globally, one big household in Christ Jesus. So how do we do good to the household? That's my son, Marky, sponsoring Gary in 2014. In the next photo, you see it, Gary and Marky together in 2018. We went to visit him. He lives at the base of an active volcano. I remember one of my kids said to me, Dad... Why don't they just move? It's so dangerous here. I said, that's right. That's poverty. You don't have the options to leave this one-room house to move somewhere else. That's part of poverty. You don't have options. What I discovered on these trips was that sponsors are loved. We are told by the church pastors and church workers caring for the kids that they see us as co-workers. They expect that we are praying for their kids. They expect the good outcomes that those kids have are linked to our prayers and words of Christian encouragement, not just financial support. So we are doing good to the household of believers. We're blessing this church that wants to reach its community but hasn't got the financial resources to reach the community holistically with all the needs in that poor community. This is a photo of Marky and Gary in 2018, and this is a photo of uh, Marky, oh, my whole family and Gary's family in the next shot. Um, in 2020. There are a thousand people in Gary's village. 105 of them are compassion sponsored children. So more than 10% of the entire village is being raised up for 10 or 15 years in holistic child development. And hopefully those kids will be giving back to their community. But if you think about the people impacted in that community of the thousand people, if you consider the impact on siblings and parents, more than half that town is positively affected by compassion's ministry because simple everyday Christians like us are doing good to all people and we've remembered the poor and we are certainly doing good to the global household. 
And we are protecting kids. Compassion is a world leader in child protection. In this next slide, you'll see a photo of a church where kids are very vulnerable, another part of Indonesia. The kids go to the church every day to eat there because malnourishment is such an issue in parts of Indonesia. But they are also protected. When compassion establishes itself in, in a village or a cluster of villages, people know the church is the watchdog for all kids in the community now, highly trained in child protection. Not just the compassion kids, they are there for every child so they're not exploited and hurt. It's a privilege to be protecting kids through the church being built by the Lord Jesus Christ. The media won't tell you all the great stuff the churches are doing around the world, but I can tell you churches are loved. So finally, when should we do good? Well, ESV's got season, the Greek word kedo, and then in verse 10, as we have opportunity, kedon. Um, but the root word there is time. And I think other translations in verse 10, as you have time, not like now and again when you've got some time left over. No, no, with the life that our generous God has given you, with the time that you have as a Christian, with your heartbeat and your breath and the energy that God has given you, redeem the time wisely. Continue to do good with your life. And now is a good time. It's always a good time while you're alive as a Christian to do good. But we're in the middle of come out of COVID into a global food crisis. There's one extra person dying of malnutrition every day in Africa, as an example. I could give you lots of other stats. But I won't share the horror stories. What I will tell you is... In Christ's power, churches are continuing to do good. They have not grown weary. And they inspire me, our partner churches. Those 10 trips to the field, I remember, I'll never forget those churches. They're an enormous inspiration. People who love their communities with big hearts and an overflowing desire to share the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's part of their Christian DNA. They are connected to Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit empowers them. And we have the amazing privilege of partnering with them. Let me close in prayer. Father, thank you for encouraging us to do good with the lives that you've generously given us. Most of all, Father, we thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. He did not grow weary. We see in the New Testament, he was relentless caring for people. He was tired. He kept caring for people. Lord, we thank you that the Lord Jesus has had compassion on us too. He became poor for us. He did not grow weary of doing good for us. He went all the way to the cross and he gave everything. In fact, he gave his whole life for us. And we thank you that he even defeated death for us. Amen.